Primo content. Primo content. Uh, 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 I, I went to a Magic the Gathering Grand Prix yesterday. <laughs> Why did you go to a Magic the Gathering Grand Prix? Because fucking Magic the Gathering is fun and the GP only comes once a year. I know, but like, as much as I enjoy playing Magic, I don't think I could watch people play Magic. Like, I don't, like... I didn't go to watch, I went to fucking play! It's not oh, like did I, you? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I like, who, I, I want to be the creepiest creeper in that room full of fucking nerds just hovering over shoulders, like, m- making commentaries about, like, all oh, fucking sick plays there, man. I don't like, know no, how I'm... these things fucking work. I've never been to one of these things. This is like... Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, like, this isn't my thing. Like, there's the main event, there's, like, the pros and shit that play, but there's also all sorts of side events that okay. you can buy into just for, like, shits and giggles. Well, that seems fun, I guess. I don't, I mean, I don't... I mean, I'm going again today, that's why I rescheduled the pods for today, so. I mean, it's the same thing for me with, like, sports. I don't, like, I can't, like, I mean, one, I don't engage in sports, and two, I just don't, like. You're not a sportsman? No, games of this kind are the, like game competitions are the same thing for me. Even like with okay. video games as well, I just I find it so uninteresting. Just like other things, I find uninteresting, like Steven Seagal. Well, <laughs> I think I think uninteresting is being a bit disingenuous, but we'll get to is that. Is it? Is it? I assure you, it is. So welcome to episode thirty-one. Fucking finally, Sorry. episode thirty-one of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see on what side of the consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Gane, and uh, broadcasting live uh, from Miami, Florida. Presumably, I mean, you're not somewhere else right now, are you? No, I'm not. Okay, uh, is my friend and collaborator Juan Barkeen. Say hi, Juan. Hi. How's it going? It's good. It's a beautiful uh, sunny afternoon here in Montreal, Quebec. It's and... also a beautiful sunny afternoon here in Miami, as it typically is. And because uh, we don't usually record in the afternoon, we record at night. We like we do like every hour of the day. Come on. And generally speaking, we record like in the in like the early night, like around like like past supper time. And a couple of times we've recorded like some like burning the midnight oil shit. But uh, that is not relevant to the task at hand. Uh, this week was my pick, and I decided to have a little fun with it. And we decided, well, I decided that we would watch 1988's Above the Law, directed by Andrew Davis, but most importantly, starring one Steven Seagal in his film debut. So, <sighs> so, one was telling me off mic that he wasn't crazy about this. <laughs> no, like, okay, so I want to very specifically state that I am usually pretty on board with your action picks. I always try to find something I will end up enjoying in them. You know, I liked parts of our first film this season. Which was Hard Target. Yes. With uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. But um, sometimes they're garbage, just like, uh, what's this movie called? Um, Above Race, the Law? Whatever. Oh, uh, Death Race 3 Inferno? Yeah. Yeah, that one was kind of a uh, kind of a bulk on my part, and I own that. Yeah, uh, this time I hope you inevitably own it as well. Uh, I don't think you will, but I'm right, you're wrong. I like, listen, I don't like this kind of... <laughs> No, I don't no, like no, this kind yes. of 
I don't like this kind of movie punditry on our podcast. We're here to do some nuance. I know, I know, I know. Whatever. We'll be we'll be subjective <laughs> and whatnot. Well, I mean, obviously we'll be subjective, but no, um I mean, I do I, movie, but, I will I will say that I did enjoy this movie more conceptually and how it fits into the cycle of American action movies from the time than as a film itself. Okay, that's I will fair. give you that. Um I will say uh, I will state for the record that this is the first and only Steven Seagal movie I've ever seen, I think. Uh, this is, I believe, the third, because I definitely remember seeing, like, Half Past Dead when I was a kid. <laughs> I, like, I like I legitimately don't think I've ever seen any one of his movies, and I'm kind of shocked about it. I mean, he had his heyday in, like, the 90s. Now it's mostly, like, direct-to-video stuff, because sure. that's what happens. That's the path of the, the of action the action star. movie star, yeah. And um, but we know that uh, just because a movie is direct to video doesn't mean it's bad. I mean, Very the Universal true. Soldier movies by John Hyams exist. Those movies are incredible. You haven't seen the no, I haven't yet. Let you me alone. motherfucker, you! I've I been telling you to I watch these watch movies for like four years. I've been telling you. I to know, watch and movies. you have to watch something else in return for me watching. I've watched all sorts of shit. I, I don't mean... remember what the specific film was, but whatever. Regardless, I have just <laughs> confirmed that I have never seen a single Steven Seagal movie except for this one. And uh, yeah, I'm still a kind of a. A neophyte. I mean, I'm I'm no I'm no Vern, who's the expert on the subject, uh, who actually wrote a whole book about it called Seagology. Um, oh my god! Uh, apparently, that's quite good. I like Vern. I just don't uh, like a, Steven Seagal. I he's don't a good think movie I critic. Ever um, through that book. I mean, it's like, like if we could open just a parenthesis right now, you wouldn't read sort of an appraisal of someone you didn't like, even if it was on like Smartly or whatever. I mean. Like, who's someone non-action related that you, like, don't particularly care for? Uh, there's a lot of people. I don't know if that's a fair... I mean, like, I would be, like, just speaking, like, to myself, I would read mm-hmm. a monograph... I would read a well-written monograph on a person I didn't particularly care for, because invariably it will cast a different light on a subject. No, right? that's fair. I don't... I mean, like, I've read a lot of pieces on films I don't care for that have, like, slowly but surely conditioned me into liking the movies i mean there's a difference between like conditioning you to like a movie and just like oh i didn't think of it that way just simple as that no i just i like i literally forced myself into liking the movie before what's a okay i want to open a parenthesis inside this parenthesis what movie do you go from like ah this is horseshit to okay i can't believe i'm gonna confess this um okay so the first time i saw no country for old men i fell asleep the second time i saw no country for old men i fell asleep the third time i saw no country for old men i fucking hated it the fourth time i saw no country for old men i didn't totally hate it but i didn't like it either Wow. Uh, the fifth time i saw no country for old men i finally started sort of liking it and I don't want to watch it a sixth time because I don't... Like, I maybe I'll love it, you know? Maybe I'll fucking love it. But, like, I finally hit the place where I sort of like it. And I'm just going to stay there in that comfort zone and never <laughs> engage with it again. What What was the turning point? Just, like, just watching it over and over again? I, like, reading a lot of pieces about it, hearing people who really love it talk about it, and just, like, I forced myself to like that movie. Wow. 
and like I would have given up it, after like the third time. <laughs> I, I mean, I fell asleep twice, so it's not fair to the yeah. Movie. So technically, it's three full viewings, but like, mm. like you fell asleep because it bored you. Or you fell asleep yes, because I fell you asleep were like... because it bored the shit out of me. Jesus Christ, man! I know. Meanwhile, like I'm over here watching. There will be blood and being riveted for no like it's. <laughs> I mean, both those weird. movies are very good. I know. I, I I I mean, I love There Will Be Blood. I have clearly mixed feelings on No Country. Yeah, you can fucking <laughs> tell that you fucking traitor, you fucking heretic. <laughs> Whatever. They've made one bad movie in their entire lives, and it's not that one. So well, the num the well, the, the, the actual number is two, but that's a different discussion for another mm, time. Yes. Um, we will get into the fight of intolerable cruelty a different day. Uh, intolerable cruelty is such a piece of shit, though. So fucking great, you're just it's a so shithead. Whatever. It's so bad. Back it's to so Steven bad. fucking Seagal, who also fucking sucks, unlike <laughs> intolerable cruelty. Uh, now I'm thinking, what movie do I like better, Above the Law or Intolerable Cruelty? Um, no, I think I, li- I like Above the Law more. I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> I feel... I feel like Above the Law is, like, for all its faults, is a movie more in tune with itself. No, it's not. Than Intolerable Cruelty. I am canceling this podcast right now. <laughs> like, that's it. I'm sorry. The last episode you can't of quit, the half recorded, half recorded podcast about Above the Fucking Law. So, before we get off the rails and start fucking stabbing each other with literal actual knives, one, what the hell is Above the Law about? I honestly don't know, and I don't care. This movie is, like, just a mess of cop things, and I don't give a fuck about it. Well, it is kind of a... It's not just a mess of cop things. It's a mess of, like, like specialty tactical things, because this dude's... There's martial arts stuff. There's, there's like, procedural drama nonsense there's a cia cover-up there's always a cia like, or navy or something there's always some kind of like special of course technical unit in these steven seagal movies it's like like okay what like he was uh, oh my god i'm like i probably don't remember this plot very well even though i just saw this last night um okay so like he was part of the cia right yes okay uh, his name is Nico in this movie, which, by the way, they will remind you of every single minute of the movie. Like, it is... I have never heard the name of a title character... Or, like, well, this, the old title used to be Nico. Nico. I've never heard the titular character's name, like, said this much in a movie. Every fucking minute is just Nico, 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 Nico. Like, fuck this movie. Okay. Uh, he was in the Vietnam War, and then he, like, yeah. he had this, like, moment of just, like, it was, like, a weird epiphany of, like, oh, my God, this dude's, like, fucking torturing people. Oh, <laughs> I don't, like, want to be part of this anymore. It's so bad. <laughs> and then he's, like, a good cop who, like, is still a pretty bad fucking person in like a world of bad cops <laughs> except not bad cops they're just like bad CIAs Here here's the thing with this and this is something that continues over the course of the Seagal filmography is that there is this very sort of earnest kind of peaceful uh rhetoric that is usually espoused by the Seagal character in between moments of like incredible violence <laughs> It's like 
the violence it's, is really, really jarring. Like, I think at one jarring. point, they, like, this dude punches Steven Seagal twice in the face. Like, not even that hard punches, and he is drenched in blood. Yeah. Like, it is... This is later on. Astounding how covered in blood this dude was from, like, just a few little punches. Because, th- yeah, this is basically a one good cop movie, right? This yes, is like, oh, except- this... The force is corrupted. But he's not a good cop. There's a scene (laughs) at the beginning of the movie where he, like, goes into a random hotel room and he finds... It was his sister, right? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. His sister is doing, like, coke and fucking this random drug dealer. Presumably drug dealer. Who knows? Maybe the sister was a drug dealer. Who knows? Like, honestly, the movie does not get into this whatsoever. He saves his sister saves in quotations because she's happy fucking the dude and doing coke and then he like she didn't look she didn't look super thrilled in any case no not at all but he like takes her away from the situation and he gets her off scot-free while like the dude gets arrested because you know he is (laughs) above the law he is above the law (laughs) (laughs) i hate this movie but here's the thing, though. I mean, and exactly to what I was saying. I mean, there's this scene where he's just basically just busting down doors, you know, wa- without a warrant, whatever. I'm not here to like, like to uh, assess how accurate in terms of uh, protocol or procedure this is. But my favorite part of that whole scene is the literal three minutes he takes to speechify to the drug dealer and to oh the to the girl. Oh my god! Because that's what Steven Seagal does. This movie. Steven Steven Seagal is unique among action movie stars in that he sees himself like he's the most auteur of the of the action movie stars because <laughs> there's so much of him in all these characters there's so many through lines in all his movies and more than anything and more bafflingly than most other action heroes he sees himself as inherently moral yes this is not something that afflicts other um, other action movie stars. Steven Seagal, at least according to him, is not interested in gray areas. He is the good guy out to get the bad guy by any means necessary. It's like, I mean, like, obviously we've seen other action films, both of us, but like the good guys do have, like, again, a moral gray space, as you're saying, like, there's none of that here. Even no. though technically, by way of like what is being presented to us, yes, there fucking is. Because again, he's an awful person. He's just like, quote unquote, the good awful person. Like, <laughs> it's like he does so much speechifying in this movie. I honestly was having awful flashbacks to like misguided soapboxing of the newsroom. Like it felt like Aaron Sorkin just like standing there yelling at me. You didn't even have to go outside the show. You could just go back to Tomorrowland. Oh, my God. Hey, <laughs> hey. Leave Tomorrowland alone. It has no. its issues, but That's whatever. one of the issues it has. Yes, I don't disagree. Um, but, like, bro, this screenplay was ass. Um, hey, it's to, my line. You can't steal do your that. line. No, this screenplay is ass. Absolute it's, ass. It's not great. I will say that. I mean, the the most interesting part of this movie is not the movie. It's everything kind of surrounding it. It's like... like, It's this weird... Because when people think of shitty action movies, right? Mm -hmm. They think of things like, oh, this guy 
or because it's usually a guy is like the absolute moral center of this film even though he's despicable mm-hmm. there's this speechifying about peace even though there is just crazy amounts of unwarranted violence and this guy has this weird like hulk hogan-esque imperviousness to everything just no cells everything except for maybe once in the movie because come on but generally speaking untouchable and when people talk about that they are generally talking about steven seagal even the scenes where he's untouchable like where he is touchable it's like it's so poorly executed though like the scene and like maybe this is just because i was recently watching twin peaks and like there is a scene in that show where like they are drugging a human being into like submission while they are kidnapped and like this movie has someone drugging a human being while they are you know kidnapped and like it doesn't affect that human being at all outside of, like, some minor daisiness, and immediately he's just, like, back up and kicking ass and murdering everyone in the room. And I'm like, no, that's not how that works. And, like, the performances are all so bad in this. They're all bad. And I I will even extend that to Pam Greer, who I adore with all of my heart. She was the only reason this movie is not completely and utterly trash because her outfits are excellent and she is a beautiful presence in everything she does i liked pam greer but i did get the feeling that she was coasting a little bit she was absolutely coasting (laughs) she didn't this this movie didn't really ask her to step up her game this movie doesn't ask anyone to step up their game this movie doesn't care about anyone except for steven seagal there's there's one person who i think is on the right wavelength in this film what sharon stone because she looks bored as fuck the entire time yeah same no, this movie does waste Sharon Stone. Unfortunately. Because this is three years before uh, Basic Instinct. So. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, a lot of movies waste Sharon Stone. Everyone wastes Sharon Stone. Except for Paul Verhoeven and like yeah. Martin Scorsese. No, Henry Silva. The bad guy. The oh, bad, yeah. bad guy. I loved Henry Silva in this fucking I movie. I liked him. Just, he, he was like Powers Booth, rest in peace, in uh, Sudden Death. Just really slimy and just bad man like a real bad man i mean i'm curious how do you feel about this movie like poorly attempting to create an environment of seediness without actually being even remotely gritty or seedy um this movie toes a weird line i mean i like some of the location photography chicago looks pretty good in this movie it's fine and at the, I think the movie, in this specific respect, the problem that the movie has is that the seediness and griminess is connoted through action and not through, uh, through like you know, set design, photography. It's because Steven Seagal is antagonistic towards someone that makes it seedy. That's what makes it shitty, <sighs> and not so much the, the the set design and the production design and. And all the other things that normally would contribute to that. But see, I mean, that's this so movie problematic this, to me. This movie isn't even like imaginatively lit. No, not at all. It's 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 very very pedestrian, very very rote. And yet, and yet, I found this movie very watchable. I... It is so bad, but it's I, it's transfixing because there is this constant push pull between the earnestness of the sentiment. And just the shabbiness of the violence. See, I just, and I didn't. I find that, that riveting. I, I, I don't understand how. One thing I will give it for, like, 
just on a purely fascinating level of why was this inserted in here mm-hmm. um, is the way the film opens and like a couple of other scenes it has this like weird mixture of like archival footage and family photos and then like yeah Steven Seagal's actual archives yeah it opens with this like little like martial arts instance but then it never really like it never bothers to continue up on these like strands no but that's part of like this sort of okay how about this how about this this is Steven Seagal's first movie yes I know I I'm aware he told I figure he must have told himself that he has one shot at self mythologization and that he was going to take it. But like so, it's not so it's, well done. It's not a matter of whether or not it's well done, it's a matter of like just the kind of hubris of that's like true. that's fair. It's like I'm going to just plug the, my Aikido training, I'm going to plug these sort of personal beliefs I have. And this continues throughout his career. And you should definitely check out uh, the uh, the ending speech in On Deadly Ground, Ugh. which is basically this pro-environmental screed at the end of this uber-violent film. I don't think I could bear watching it's, 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 it's something. It's Ugh. fascinating. And um, so there's the intro sequence. There's sort of the very earnest sort of politics and beliefs in this film. Yeah. And... It's clearly a case of someone self-mythologizing. In a very specific, weird way, this is Steven Seagal's Purple Rain. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? Like, you're not wrong, but like, Purple the only Rain difference, is a good movie. The only difference is that Purple Rain is a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just and like... that kind of shit fascinates me, and that's why I guess I like it more than you. Is because... No, I do, I do find, like, indulgence in films really fascinating. But this is like... a kind of most just pedestrian, unimaginative kind of indulgence. It really is, and that's why I don't find it interesting. See, I find it interesting for that exact purpose. It's like, I have, <laughs> like, Steven Seagal has the means to self-mythologize in a motion picture, and yet takes just the most knuckle-draggingest way, like, just the <laughs> lamest way to do it. Like, Andrew Davis is not a great director. No. I've been, Although, I've heard no, of... in fairness, I think, like, The Fugitive is a very good movie. Well, I, I was going to say, like, specifically, because he also did a potential uh, Stuck in the Middle with You film, Code of Silence, starring Chuck Norris. Well, which I feel might be more of the same. I hate um, but Don't pick it. Like I like the fugitive might be a good movie, but I don't think that's entirely because of Andrew Davis. No, no. The dude doesn't really. The dude is kind of. Um, he's not even kind of like uh, what you would call like a, a termite director. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of lame. He's just boring, as far as like uh, as far as like just like sort of shooting style coverage out of that is concerned. This is formally a very rote film because of course it is. Steven Seagal has a story credit on this because of course he does. Of course he does. I like <laughs> that is the least surprising thing in the world to me. And no, I mean, I think I like this movie in spite of this movie. Like okay. I think it is an important it, it is a key Steven Seagal text. If you want to understand like the idea of the American action movie star in the 80s and 90s Mm-hmm. Above the law is like required viewing because it's Steven Seagal's first go around. Yes. It's as important. Uh, it's as important uh, to this kind of thing as 
Uh, I think I've discussed uh, Nowhere to Run on this podcast before. It's not a great movie either, but I do think it's a key Jean-Claude Van Damme text because it's one of the first ones that gets to why JCBD is different. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously stuff like Kickboxer is a key text. Uh, Missing in Action with Chuck Norris is a key text. Not that these are great movies necessarily, even though Bloodsport's fucking amazing. <laughs> but they're all key to understanding this kind of interdependence between technique and vanity and budget and all sorts of things when it comes to considering name action movie stars universal soldiers and other key texts like that like the first one mm-hmm. but also the john hyams ones which is kind of an inversion of the last like 25 years of of action movie hero logic if you will okay man i sounded smart there for a second Fuck. i know that's so intense i'm like the entire time I was thinking, I'm like, uh, I could do this with like musicals, but I can't. I probably couldn't do this with other things. Derek's Derek's the action person. <laughs> I mean, I, I've kind of defaulted into that position. I, guess. I know you. I know. Um. So stay tuned for my spinoff podcast, the John Pod Van Cast. Oh my God! Get out! I'm here. <laughs> um. That's actually a good idea. I'm gonna have to write that down. So my, I, I want to just list my two favorite scenes before sure. we. Uh, before before we reach the end of this, yeah. and also like my least favorite line of dialogue, or my two fa- <laughs> my two <laughs> favorite slash least favorite lines. That's of fair. Dialogue. This is definitely a kind of favorite slash least favorite kind of movie. Yeah, because this movie <laughs> walks a very fine line for me between boring trash and fun trash. <laughs> so number one seed yeah. Is when someone literally unloads a shotgun into Pam Greer's chest and she just flies backward into the wall. I, I mean, loved that's, it. That's just I, fun. That's just great. I thought it was magnificent. And then the other one is they are okay, so there's a set piece that is within a parking garage and it's like pretty fucking high up in this building for some godforsaken reason. And so they are, like, up top in this parking garage, and all of a sudden, he, like, has this dude on top of the trunk of the car, and he's backing up towards the wall, and he crashes the guy out of the fucking (laughs) parking garage. The car only goes halfway through. It just hangs there. They literally have a shot later of the car still hanging there super casually. I mean, that's, that's, that's good. That's a good direction. Yeah. The guy flies off the trunk of the car to his death from God knows how many miles up. And I loved, (laughs) I loved it. I loved it. It was so fucking ridiculous. And I will give it that much. What's the line? Oh God. Oh, the line. There's two. (laughs) What are the lines? Okay. The first one, which like is beautifully, beautifully exemplifies how I feel about this movie like good cop bad cop nonsense Mm -hmm. is um he goes so you think I'm a bad cop Neely well maybe I am and then like two seconds later he proceeds to threaten him with unloading a gun in his butt if he doesn't (laughs) jump into the water and I was like what (laughs) what like what (laughs) yeah that that whole scene is like insane that's like some bad lieutenant shit i know and then later on he's sitting in like a house somewhere with like a child and he literally just goes you haven't noticed how cleans baby smell 
like nothing in the world has ever touched them. And I lost it. <laughs> I lost it. That was it for me. That was the moment I knew this movie was going to speechify the fuck out of me. And I just like, uh, and then, uh, like at the end, he's like, I'm ready to talk if you're ready to listen. And I'm like, okay, let's start a real national conversation, buddy. Goodbye. The last lines of this movie are fucking awful too. <laughs> oh man. I can't, I, I can't grade this movie on my usual fucking scale. <laughs> I know you can't. You love it. You're too no, 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 no. I don't love it. I don't love it. I don't love it. I have a very tortured relationship with this film now. I'm glad. I'm so glad. <laughs> I mean, if we're if we're gonna go right on ahead to uh to uh to final judgments. I don't know if you had anything else to say about this. No, that's it. That's really it. There's that's a really, really great it? picture. There's a really great framed picture of of Pam Greer, Sharon Stone, and Steven Seagal together in like just denim, and it's beautiful. It's very 1988. Yeah, none of uh, them look like they want to be in the picture, and that's my favorite <laughs> thing about it. Uh, I, I'd like to give a special shout out to like the burnt corpse that Seagal carries through the oh church. Oh my god! At one yes. Point. <laughs> it's like this movie is real gruesome because it's like that's a child's charred body. Oh god, this is so bad. Oh man! Oh god! Um, I I gotta give this a fresh. I hate I've you. Got, I gotta I give you. this just the thinnest, <laughs> tiniest, just most narrow by the most narrow of margins. My microphone fresh. just fell because I was so mad about this. <laughs> because I don't think here's the thing. I don't think it's a good movie, but I think it's very fascinating. I think it is. It's not the Rosetta Stone to understanding Steven Seagal, but it definitely gives you a good idea of what to expect. I think it's a very important text in terms of uh, action movie star vanity. You're a bad I, person. And I, 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 like I said, I was transfixed by this piece of shit. And and I acknowledge that it's trash, but I love this kind of trash, so I gotta give it a fresh. <sighs> and I'm giving it a rotten because this is not my kind of trash. I don't I don't fault you for giving it a rotten man. I don't. Cuz this is a bad movie, but I liked it anyway. Oh Whatever. my god. So, how about those recommendations? Well, let's see about those recommendations. This was my movie, so you get to go first. Oh, do I? Oh yeah. my god. Um I'm going to be totally predictable and just pick Basic Instinct. Um, oh, okay. I love Basic Instinct so much. I mean, I'm like very fond of Paul Verhoeven obviously uh he's Paul Verhoeven's a very good director and Basic Instinct's a good movie (laughs) yes it is I mean obviously a lot of people hate it for a number of reasons which like you know rightfully so Joe Esterhaus is not um not for everyone Joe Esterhaus is a sleazy motherfucker yeah but see like I love sleaze you know what's a real sleazy fucking movie about sleazy fucking people Basic Instinct not above the goddamn law I mean, you know I don't above th- the law in that movie, everybody, because <laughs> the law doesn't. Fucking I don't matter. think. I don't think this movie. I don't think above the law is sleazy. I think it wants to be scummy. I think it wants to be grimy. I don't think it succeeds. I don't think it's sleazy. No, it's not. It's not. But it kind of wishes it was. I don't think so. I don't think it's aiming for sleaze. I think uh, it's aiming for like like gritty cop realism, but not that's sleaziness. Fair. That's fair. Uh, whatever. Anyway. uh... Sharon Stone is entirely wasted in Above the Law. She is not wasted in Basic Instinct. It is her best performance. That's probably the best thing she's been in, yeah. Yes, it is. Um, I just, I love, I love that movie so much. It's so good. Um, Michael Douglas being Michael Douglas. 
Yeah, no, everyone's so good in that movie, too, because even Gene Triplehorn is really Gene good as, uh, Dr. Beth Garner. I love it. Um, it's a really, it's, it's just, it's a really sleazy, sexy movie, and, um, everyone should watch it. I honestly, like, I would actively, I wish this movie played, like, during, like, classic movie screenings and things, because I just also really like weird fucking awful movies about awful people and yet you didn't like above the law weird yeah whatever <laughs> listen no like we have seen many movies about awful people and like oh, yeah this is not a good one about awful people i'm sorry like like perfect example alien covenant which just came out is like a movie that hates people and like yeah i love that i love movies that hate people i love it and like Above the Law is not a movie that actually hates people because it loves Steven Seagal. Okay, so how about your recommendation? <laughs> how about my recommendation? Yeah. Oh, uh, man, I don't want to be super predictable either. But I guess. Do it I, anyway. I mean, is people are people really going to give me shit if I recommend Jackie Brown? I mean. Oh, my God, please do recommend Jackie Brown. It's I such mean, an excellent film. Jackie Brown's a really good movie. I mean, I, mean, I like... like the fact that we both chose the supporting actresses in this movie who are given nothing to do as, like, our point of basis <laughs> for recommendations. I mean, I could go back and check for a Henry Silva movie, right? I mean... Or you could just do Jackie fucking Brown! Or I could just do ja- yeah, Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino's uh, film. It's, 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 it's really quite good. It's, um... I don't mean this as like a, a marker of quality or anything, but I think it may be his classiest movie. Yeah, I would also agree. I think just in terms, not necessarily in terms of like dialogue, the thing he's known for, but in terms of just structure, it's his best screenplay. Mm-hmm. Robert Forster, Pam Greer, and a shitload of other really good actors doing really good shit. Yep. And I just really like like Elmore Leonard to begin with and Quentin Tarantino was the person to adapt it. So. Absolutely. So uh it's quite long. That's the only thing. It's quite long movie. But that's not really a bad thing because this this is a kind of movie this is a kind of movie you kind of want to luxuriate in. It's a kind of movie you kind of want to get not get lost in because it's like No, this but crap. existing in that universe it, it, like and it's, it's a weird thing to say for like a Tarantino film but like I like existing in that movie's like, universe. It's a cool movie. It's a really cool movie. And, uh, yeah, it's fucking amazing. Jackie Brown, get on it. Yeah. So, Juan, uh, your pick for the next episode. What are we doing in two weeks? I don't know, Derek. (laughs) What are we doing in two weeks? Okay, we're doing this. um, So, uh, I really love Jacques Demy. That's, like, something that I'm sure everyone alive knows because I like musicals and also, like, pretty films with pretty colors. Um, And... Jacques Demy did a weird fucking musical, or not musical, it's not a musical, I, I thought it was a musical, it's like, it's weird, um, he did this movie in 1972 called The Pied Piper, the with, Pied Piper. Uh, Donovan as the Pied Piper, <laughs> yes, this Scottish singer-songwriter Donovan, it's a really weird, weird, uh, the Sunshine, the Sunshine Superman guy, yeah, it's a weird movie, uh, but I think we will hopefully enjoy it. Hopefully, I mean, spoiler alert: we've already watched it. But what? That's s- crazy. <laughs> we're not going to say whether or not we liked it on this episode. That's going to be for next episode. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Juan and I write for. Well, actually, we do more than that. We we co-edit the damn thing. Uh, Dim the house lights. It's our little film criticism website. We write, we edit, we contribute. 
Uh, you can find it at dimthehousesites.com. All sorts of cool shit for your perusal. Uh, you can find stuff by me, stuff by Juan, and stuff by our small stable of writers, uh, which includes and I guess currently is limited to Chris Mello, Michelle Arf, and Ross Burks. Yeah. Um, and while we're at it, we're going to plug uh, Ross and Michelle's podcast, Reloading the Canon, which you can find where uh, quality, bespoke, artisanal podcasts are sold. You can find Juan's stuff uh, in addition to the stuff on the house lights at the Miami New Times, and uh, you can check out my stuff at my portfolio blog, MontrealSchlockCity.com. That's Montreal, S-C-H-L-O-C-K City.com. Uh, both Juan and I are on Letterboxd and Twitter. You can find Juan at both places at Whoa, it's Juanito. That's W-O-A-H, it's Juanito, all one word. And you can find me at both places at Derek underscore G. Ah, I guess if you want to, you could uh, follow this little project I'm doing on Twitter uh, where uh, we're pitting 64 movies from 1967 in a single elimination tournament to see which one is the best. And uh, new polls every day. As long as the tournament is still ongoing, you can go to twitter.com slash bestmovie1967. Woo! So that's it. So, well, Juan, we're going to be talking to each other, like, immediately after we're done recording this but for you guys listening at home we'll see you in two weeks see ya